from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Take a step back in time. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. As teams celebrate the state champs from Hickory in the Hoosier Gym in Indiana. Machinery Pete sees fireworks and record prices at end of year auctions. And winter weather arrives. By Wednesday, that system really has the potential to create a, a wide degree of disarray across the country. How El Nino is helping to drive these January storms. Today on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It's January, it's winter, and it's cold. Those are all givens, but this week we could see a significant outbreak of winter weather. The National Weather Service issuing a warning to start this week as snow, cold, and rain are expected from coast to coast. Winter weather impacting both coasts over the weekend. California digging out after several inches fell there and across the southwest. Now parts of the southern Rockies are already reporting 10 to 18 inches of snow in the last few days. Meanwhile, the northeast and mid-Atlantic dealing with snow, heavy rains, and high winds. Now later this week, extremely cold weather is expected to enter the Pacific Northwest as a snowstorm works its way across the country with some potentially high snowfall totals and blizzard-like conditions. So the early to mid period next early to midweek period next week, we are looking at a very significant storm emerging from the southwestern United States, the Four Corners region. It's going to cross the central and southern plains Monday and reach the lower Great Lakes region, somewhere in the vicinity of Lake Ontario, Lake Erie by Wednesday. That system really has the potential to create a, a wide degree of disarray across the country. I don't want to make it all sound bad, though, because this moisture is going to be great for drought relief in various parts of the country, including key winter wheat production areas of the central and southern Great Plains. And it should chip away at the drought in the south, the Mississippi Delta, into the Tennessee Valley. Now he says it will cause issues for livestock producers as blizzard-like conditions are possible across the plains, including 40 to 50 mile per hour winds. Ag Day's coverage of Water Street Solutions 2024 Edge Conference in Tucson, Arizona is brought to you by Water Street Solutions, helping farmers navigate the commodity terrain. Learn more at waterstreetag.com. Helping drive these wintry systems, El Nino, the phenomenon, has been dominating U.S. and South American weather for the last few months. But there are some signs that the weather pattern may be changing. Michelle Rook is at the Water Street Solutions Edge Conference in Tucson, Arizona. And Michelle, weather experts are looking at what this means for farmers in 2024. Clinton El Nino has lasted longer than expected, and that has been a warmer, drier winter in much of the Corn Belt. But it looks like that pattern is starting to break down, and that's good news for grain producers, but potentially bad news for cattle operations, especially in those cattle feeding areas. Now I'm going to show you what the models say. Because it's El Nino is finally showing signs of weakening for the first time in four years. Weather expert Eric Snodgrass says it's plateaued and may stay that way for the rest of the winter. We think that by March we're going to start to see it collapse and go quickly back to neutral conditions, which means maybe by spring and summer we could be talking about no strong signal from the central equatorial Pacific. Kirk Hins with Bayham Weather says that means no major break in the drought areas of the Corn Belt until spring. 
It is also common with El Nino's to get dry in the upper Midwest, the Great Lakes, the Ohio Valley. It, it's already been ongoing too as well. So I would say if this El Nino lasts a little bit longer, um, that would be a risk. Snodgrasses looked at El Nino winters going back to 1960 to determine what that means for the U.S. planting season. We actually tended to have a little bit tighter planting windows uh, in spring. Tended to be cooler early, but then get warm by the time we got into May. Ken says until El Nino fully fades, the jet stream will also stay farther to the south, bringing moisture to the central and southern plains. That's good news for the winter wheat and cotton areas, but bad news for cattle feeding areas. It's the next five systems that are going to be going across the country that I think will start to eat away at the drought that's tucked away in the Mid-South, that's tucked away in parts of the Corn Belt, and it's going to certainly pack up some snow in the Northwest. And both agree that even with spring precip, it will take time to recharge subsoil moisture. So some areas will see lingering drought and be dependent on just-in-time rains like in 2023. I'm Michelle Rourke reporting for Ag Day. Now let's bring in our own experts for more on the potential cold and winter weather this week. Meteorologist Martin Lorimore has more. Oh yeah, we're now starting to see actually getting some snow in places that haven't seen a whole lot for the month of November and December of last year. We're watching as we do see this wide system bringing in rain in the south and snow in the north. A little bit of mix there as well. This will continue on its way as we get into that Tuesday and Wednesday time frame. Noticing that freezing line staying just around the Appalachians, moving its way up as temperatures rise throughout our Tuesday. So might see that uh, rain mark almost get all the way up to the Canadian border in some places but also seeing some of these storms across the southeast could get a little bit stronger as we head into that Tuesday. Specifically, this will move on. We're still seeing a little bit of unstable pattern into the northern half of the country as we head into that Thursday. So things are looking to stay a little bit on the cool side and beyond that as well. This is between January 10th and 14th, seeing these temperatures getting pretty chilly in the western part of the country. And speaking of chilly, over in Hastings, Nebraska, Randy Ermacher, he's brought in this picture. They said they got quite a bit of snow out there, of course, let's take a look at that picture. Winter Wonderland, frozen fog covering the trees, and he says, no joke, it's going to be some mean planting delays. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking more details about your weather in just a bit. Ocean freight rates are surging. That is one of the largest shipping companies in the world is extending its pause on travel through the Red Sea. Maersk, which is headquartered in Denmark, says it will not restart shipments through the Red Sea after Yemen-based militants tried to board a Maersk ship last week. But this isn't the first incident. The U.S. Central Command reports there have been 24 attacks against merchant ships in the Southern Red Sea since mid-November. Dan Bossi of Ag Resource Company says the shipping issues in the area are a big concern for agriculture and for Ukrainian exports. A lot of that Ukrainian corn heading to Southeast Asia will go through there. And so as the price of insurance, as the difficulty in, in moving freight through that part of the world uh, increases with the spreading tensions in the Mideast, they are now forced to go around the Horn of Africa. This is raising uh, freight costs by about $20 a ton. And Ukraine was just getting that corridor working, and now they're fighting with this. Now, he says while it's causing chaos in the Red Sea, it could be a positive 
for the U.S. market as U.S. corn may be needed to replace that Ukrainian business. Is it takeout or food at home? Taco Bell teaming up with Kraft Heinz to offer two new cooking kits, the Crunch Wrap and Quesadilla. The home pack will be sold at Walmart locations nationwide and online. Each kit includes enough ingredients to make four servings. You just add your own protein of choice. And if you're looking to trim down in the new year, there's a new ranking of top diets for the seventh year in a row, U.S. News and World Report names the Mediterranean diet its top overall pick. A committee of 43 nutritional experts weighed in on 30 different options. Second on the list was the DASH diet, followed by the MIND diet in third. Soybeans ending the week making new lows. We'll talk about that and what to expect this week next in Markets Now. And later, we're off to Knightstown, Indiana for a stop at an iconic basketball gym. Take a trip down memory lane with the Hickory Huskers in the country. Newly released minutes from the Federal Reserve's December policy meeting show the central bank expects to cut interest rates for the first time since March of 2022. That's when its inflation curving campaign began. Now, Goldman Sachs predicts rate cuts will start this March. Others expect it to start later in the year. Inflation has come way down. Um, over the last six months, uh, the measure that the Fed watches most has been running right at their target of 2%. And Americans are beginning to feel that and some surveys are suggesting that they're becoming more optimistic, which um, is something that's really good to see because price increases have slowed substantially. Some important prices have fallen noticeably. The majority of gas stations uh, around the country. The December jobs report jumped by 216,000, much better than expected, and the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7%. Markets shrugging at the data to end the week. Michelle Rook has more on what to expect this week for commodities in markets now. Grain markets closing mixed on Friday, but down for the week. Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions joining us. And Darren, the pressure that we saw in the grains, especially soybeans making new lows for the move, was that all about South American weather? I think a lot of it was weather. You know, we've seen some rain recently. We have more in the forecast. And you just have funds that are now net short in soybeans. They're selling more corn as well. And so we have pressure to the downside. We haven't had any catalyst to turn these markets yet. Maybe wheat, with all the buying from China, over the last few weeks, we've seen that market kind of start to turn. Midweek last week, we saw some strength. So, you know, I'm looking for lows ahead of the USD report or on the USD report that'll be out later this week. We'll see what happens. But this 1250 area is a good number to turn from, as well as this 450 to 460 area of March corn. Okay. So, as we say, going into the report, you know, can we rally because there are already some bearish expectations in some cases? Yeah, I think the market's looking for a lot of bearish things with the talk of recession, the macro uh, indicators pointing down. A lot of the funds are, are really aggressively short with that recessionary trade. But I do think we're at a point where we could turn the markets higher. Maybe it's not ahead of the report. Maybe we trade sideways. It's a nothing type of trade week. But after that, I think we could have some real optimistic uh, moves in the market, especially if we get some good fodder from that USDA report, like a smaller yield or some better demand numbers or something like that. Okay. 
but we're going to need a much bigger either supply or demand shock to keep going and get funds out of these shorts, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to have to have something, and maybe that's the South American weather turns back warmer and drier for the bean crop, or we get concerned about safrina, and therefore maybe corn exports improve and we start to grind this thing higher. Okay. Well, we appreciate you joining us as always. Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions. That is Market. Now we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Yeah, we're seeing this low pressure system across the jet stream moving through as we get into our Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be bringing some cooler weather across parts of the central plains. You can see this low moving its way through, intensifying as well, seeing these darker areas of blue. That really shows that you're seeing more of those lower pressures, which do pull in a lot of this cooler Arctic air in these places up toward Canada, down deep into the U.S. And this is going to move its way across, also bringing in some snow across some parts of the nation. We get a little more linear, still a couple shakes, wobbles in the the jet stream here. So we're watching as we do see a little couple more disturbances could bring some more snow again in the more northerly portions of the country. And another little low could start swinging its way down this little trough right here could bring in more snow again, stretching almost all the way down to Oklahoma and Arkansas. So could be seeing a little bit of cooler weather in places that usually don't see a whole lot of it. And when it comes to just overall precipitation, we're looking pretty good for this next week. We definitely need it for a lot of areas, especially uh, across the parts of the southeast where they have seen a whole lot of rain. This one to two inches right here looking great for a lot of those farmers out there that haven't seen a ton of rain. And of course, up in the more northern portion of the country, this is going to be coming down mostly as snow. So maybe increase this by a little bit more. Could be seeing a good little bit of that rain or snow coming down. Also in the southeast, you can see plenty of that rain across the parts of the western eastern seaboard. Could be seeing upwards to two, three. So again, that possibility with those severe storms. Also seeing that chance of maybe getting a little bit of that heavier rain, which of course places haven't seen a whole lot of it. That drought monitor is still looking pretty high in the southern part of the nation. Definitely could use it. We're looking pretty chilly out there as well. Seeing temperatures staying well below average across the western part of the country. Twin Falls temperature only 32 degrees. Yeah, it's going to stay pretty chilly in southern Idaho. Looking over to Oakdale, Louisiana, a little bit warmer. Highs around 68. Looking to thundery. Frankfort, Kentucky, high 46. Hey, take a look at this. A rescue caught on camera in Colorado Springs. A dog fell into a frozen pond. Community members at the park quickly calling 911. A local firefighter tied himself to a lifeline and dove into the icy waters. Now, once he got a hold of the canine, both were pulled back to safety. Machinery Pete saw some record prices in big four-wheel drive tractors to end the year. We'll have details next. And later, take a trip and take a shot in the iconic Hickory Huskers Gymnasium. We're off to Indiana in the country. Machinery Pete saw fireworks to ring in the new year, especially on larger four-wheel drive tractors. Here's Pete.
All right, thanks Pete. From setting records to enjoying history. We're off to Knightstown, Indiana for a stop at the historic gym from the movie Hoosiers, next. Hey, sometimes our kids get to do some pretty cool stuff. Well, last week, my son and his varsity basketball team played a game in the original Hoosiers gym. Located in Knightstown, Indiana, the gym from the iconic Gene Hackman film still feels untouched from its days hosting the Hickory Huskers. Now, a couple of years ago, Andrew McRae stopped by the now historic gym during his travels along the American countryside. Many gyms built in the 1920s were torn down years ago. Step inside this one, and you'll quickly see why it's still here. It was constructed in 1921, the gym for the Knightstown, Indiana High School. But by 1966, when Bob Garner was on the local team, it was to be replaced by a new gym for the school. And this spot was to become a parking lot. But luckily there was a lady in town, uh, Peg Mayhill, whose son played on that last team with us here in 1966 that did not want to see this gym torn down. Not only did Peg Mayhill help save the gym, she convinced a movie producer to take a look at it for a basketball movie called Hoosiers. And that's what turned this gym into a shrine. All that was actually filmed in Knightstown were the Hickory home games and the locker room scenes. Everything else was at different locations around central Indiana. For the most part, the gym you see in the movie is exactly what it was like when Bob played in 1966. The movie Hoosiers was released in 1987, but it is far from forgotten. In fact, playing a high school game in this gym is a big deal for many teams and their fans. We had 106 basketball games here this year, 80 of them high school games. We had teams as far away as Mississippi come in and play. Perfect example of the importance of this place. Two high schools from Mississippi come in to play each other. A thousand mile round trip and 406 fans made the round trip to come for the games. Not only are these hardwoods iconic, what I say that comes to this basketball team is the law. But it's that locker room that holds a special place in the movie and yet today. Home team gets their choice of locker rooms and we've never had anyone not choose what we call the Hickory locker room. But it's the, oh, it, it's, it's not near as nice as the other one. Let's put it that way. You can come to the gym free of charge and experience it yourself. The court, the stands, the locker room. A chance to be a part of the Hickory Huskers, a team that existed only in a movie, but a team nonetheless that remains in the hearts of many. No one should come to the gym without shooting a basket. And I kid people that you can't leave on a miss. Even if I have to get a ladder down for you to drop it through, you can't leave on a miss. Not only can you come here and see a real-life movie set, you even have a chance to hit your own game-winning shot. Traveling the countryside in Knightstown, Indiana, I'm Andrew McCray. All right, thanks, Andrew, and my thanks to all of the folks over at Knightstown for a wonderful experience for our boys. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agden, I'm Quentin Griffiths. Have a great day.